Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We are taking over the podcast this week, the editors are, and we have lots of fun things to share with you, including some great tips for sewing during the summer. So I'm going to introduce you to two of the editors who are here with me. I am Jody Sanders, and I'm the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna Bergerino, and I am the editor of Quilts and More Magazine. And right now, um, the issue that's on stand, on newsstands for American Patchwork and Quilting is the August 2018 issue. And on the cover, there is a quilt from Susan Ake. Um, it has the title Start with Precuts. So, the quilt itself is made with two and a half inch wide strips, which I think if we didn't point that out, you might not recognize that, but it really is a fun quilt. It's got some, uh, reds and blues and tans and just some really fun summery colors. Susan lives in Florida and so it very much I think has a color sense um, of her surroundings and so that's what you're going to be looking for for American Patchwork and Quilting. And for Quilts and More, our summer issue came out in late April but it's still on newsstands and it features on the cover a bed-sized quilt from Sheila Sinclair Snyder. It's multicolored, it has some pinwheels and squares and it's very bright and summery. We also have three different projects in the sidebar, including some placemats for toddlers. That's by Retro Mama. A fun hexagon organizer. That's by Heidi Staples of Fabric Mutt. And then a really unique baby quilt that has hearts on it, and it's by Tamara Kate. And also on the cover, we mentioned that uh, we have tips for on-the-go sewing, which is a new segment for us just for this issue. We came up with this idea because we noticed that readers sew differently in the summer than they do in fall and winter, mostly because they're on the go, it's hot out, you don't necessarily want to be tied to your iron and your sewing machine. So we went through and came up with tips for if you do handwork on the go, what kind of projects are good to take on the go, what sort of things you can take on an airplane. And I actually learned a lot too because I didn't know some of these things about on the go sewing and I've been taking you know, embroidery and hexagon with me for years. And Jody, I know you love hexagons. So. I do. I love the English paper piecing or hand piecing. Um, my boys, both very active in athletics. And so I was spending a lot of time sitting at soccer fields and gymnasiums for basketball games and outside waiting for cross country meets. And so I have been carrying around some on the go sewing and it's, it's something I do all year round, but I think particularly in the summer, it really suits um, the on-the-move things that, that we have going on. So I thought one of the things that you guys did, um, you talked about an emergency sewing kit, and I thought that was really smart because sometimes we forget to put those things together. And I think in this case, it'd be very easy to put it together and just have it with you either if you're somebody who likes to go to retreats, just have it uh, always in your retreat bag or have it in your car. I think there are things that uh, in most places, most climates, it's it's things, the notions that you can just leave um, in your car and then you always have it with you. And some of the things that you included in the emergency sewing kit is um, scissors, which obviously it's hard to, to cut things if you don't have a scissor. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about 
Um, do's and don'ts for scissors maybe a little bit later. But that's that's obviously a very crucial part of an emergency sewing kit. Um, also hand sewing needles. And I know this is one thing that sometimes I forget is I have multiple projects going on at one time. I leave the needle in one and then I get someplace and I don't have that needle. So I think getting a packet of needles and having um, one in each of your kits instead of um, trying to just pull out the one, your favorite one, that can, uh, I've ended up places being before and I was all ready to go and then I didn't have a needle. Um, so yeah. having I, those hand sewing noodles and a packet of them and kind of dispersed among your projects I think is really important too. Oh, I am notorious for forgetting scissors and one time I had a project, I had nothing to cut the thread so I tried using my keys. Don't do that. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's, it's awful and I think I messed up one of my keys doing it once and it was just bad. So one thing I learned, we actually ended up including this in a different tip but nail clippers in a pinch make excellent scissors for little threads. Yeah, that's a great idea. And that's one thing that um, we ended up using in a tip about what you can bring on an airplane because a lot of people have questions about what kind of scissors you can take on a plane and how long they can be. And ultimately, the TSA agents um, have the final say in what is and isn't allowed, but Usually they don't care about nail clippers. Like they say nail clippers are fine. They're small enough. So I just bring a pair of those instead. I skip the scissors. I will also say that if you uh, floss your teeth, the little um, blade on your floss, you can bring with you too. And I know people have actually, once they finish the floss, use that roller to then roll their thread on it. So the thread actually goes inside the little floss holder too. So it's not like you're just having your floss and using the cutter, but you can actually roll your thread up inside as well. That's a great idea, and it keeps it so tidy. Right. So some of the things, again, in an emergency sewing kit, we're going to have scissors. We're going to have hand sewing needles. Obviously, your thread. um, Pins in a small container. I uh, have a little magnet that I keep two or three pins on, and so Mm -hmm. that's a nice way to kind of keep those contained. Um, A seam ripper, as much as we would hope we wouldn't make mistakes. Uh, having a seam ripper uh, in your little sewing kit is uh, always a good idea. Um, a measuring tape if you're making some larger pieces and you need to do some measuring. Um, safety pin, a thimble for hand sewing, some kind of marking tool, and then some binding clips. And those are all nice to just have in a little either plastic bag or plastic container. You can kind of see how big your items are going to be and then maybe go to uh, one of your discount stores and look for a uh, plastic see-through container so that you can actually see what you've got inside. A lot of those have nice pop-up lids on them uh, and they have nice solid sides and so you can put it in some place without worrying about your scissors poking out of it or your pins poking out of it. There are a lot of um, bento box style lunch boxes that are on the market right now and those are wonderful for sewing kits because they come with compartments and usually they're just the right size to fit your notion so then you don't have to worry about them falling out and you know easily what you're out of because that little compartment's empty. Well you kind of alluded to some things um, that you can or can't take on a, on an airplane. Yeah. Joanna why don't you go through some of those because I too learned a lot from that uh, sidebar that we had in the magazine. Sure. And this is actually one of the questions that inspired all of these tips. Was just We hear over and over again, what can I carry onto a plane? I want to sew on a plane, but I don't know what they will let me take on for safety reasons. So I will say this. The um, Travel Security Association, I should have mentioned that earlier, TSA, as we all know them, they actually have a very good website, and they break things down by item. So if you're ever unsure, just pop on their site. They update it as they 
change regulations because, you know, things are constantly changing. And it's just a really good resource. And some of it's actually even funny. Like, they have some jokes in there about, um, look up lightsabers. That's my reader tip. If you're ever curious, the entry, I found it hilarious. But in terms of sewing, the biggest thing that I found was if it had a blade, they would not allow it. Now, I'm not talking about scissor blades. I'm talking about things like rotary cutters are not allowed. Large scissors are not allowed. One of the more interesting ones is, um, uh, what do you call them? They are the circular thread cutters. Clover makes probably the most popular one. And I feel like a lot of people will opt for those because they're enclosed. So you would think that's, you know, safety safety first and advisable. Those are actually not allowed, according to the TSA. My, I'm thinking the reason behind that is because it's very easy to pop the blade out of the container and then you have an exposed blade. So really when you're debating, is this probably okay? First go to their website and check for sure. But if it doesn't have a blade, you're probably okay. So needles are fine. Even your sewing machine is fine, although you can't pop that out in the middle of a flight. Um, just put the needle down when you're traveling so that it doesn't break. I know one of the things that happened to me when I was traveling one time, I do always take some handwork with me, is that I opted for a longer blade on a dull scissors rather than a shorter blade on a very sharp scissor. And I got through uh, where I was leaving from and I didn't have any trouble and I got to my destination. When I was coming home, um, that particular airport did not l- allow, they confiscated my scissor with the longer blades because it was an eighth of an inch too long right. in terms of the scissor blade. It was a dull paper cutting. All I was using it for was to cut threads, but they confiscated that. And I said, but I, I picked the scissors instead of my shorter, sharper right. ones. And they said those would have been allowed, which seems kind of crazy, but that's why it's a really good idea to always check the TSA site. Right. And things like knitting needles are okay, and crochet hooks are okay. And at one point, they were... There were regulations about the length of knitting needles if you had circular needles, and that has since changed. So things do change constantly. It's good to look it up. You can also bring um, an envelope with you and some stamps if you have something that you really don't want to lose. Um, some airports, not necessarily all airports, but some of them will let you step out of line, mail it back to yourself, to your home address, and then get back in the security line. So if you have enough time before your flight, that might be a good option. You can always check with the particular airport that you're flying out of and see if they have uh, postal service there so that you can mail things back. I think another great tip box you had in Quiltonmore Summer was about Um, You kind of titled it Passenger Seat Projects. Mm. Why don't you tell folks about that? Sure. So passenger seat projects are things that you can sew while you're on a long car trip. Um, They're usually things like binding. So if you machine sew the binding to the front of the quilt, you can hand stitch the binding to the back side, thereby making the most of your time if you're on a long road trip. Uh, there are also things you can do in the car, such as uh, small applique projects. The trick is to do some planning so that you have enough of the project done that needs all of those things you won't have in the car so that you can sew while you're in the car. Although, to be fair, if you get car sick, this is not the tip for you. I actually got that feedback from some of our editors and testers in the office where this is a great tip. Too bad I get car sick. So sorry for all of you motion sick quilters out there. You can skip that. 
perspective. Um, another great project to take along is embroidery, like mm-hmm. a hooped embroidery project that you can pick up and set down easily. Um, I've noticed when I've done some on-the-road sewing kind of things is it can depend different counties when you change uh, different county roads. Some are bumpier than mm-hmm. others, so it may be that you can work on it part of the trip and not part of the trip. But it's always nice to have it with you, and if you decide you've got a few minutes while you're waiting at the gas station or something, you can always pick it up and, and do it at that time, too. Perfect. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more summer sewing tips. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Use paint to create a larger-than-life chalkboard wall in your sewing space. You can use it to keep track of current project information and shopping lists. Bonus, batting scraps work perfectly as erasers. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. I'm back with the editors talking about summer sewing tips. I think uh, something that we do a lot in the summer, but, you know, can be done any time, is going on quilting retreats, obviously. And you mentioned about taking your sewing machine on an airplane, and I do know that people that uh, travel with their small sewing machines either in their packed lug- luggage, which is very carefully wrapped and bubble wrapped. But I know a lot of people that carry their featherweight machines um, and have cases for those that they carry them on. Um, and just certain things that, that you need to watch for when, when you do that. But I think thinking of quilting retreats, um, you know, making sure that your presser foot is down will help protect both the needle and then the feed dogs and also um, bringing a few projects to kind of help you focus on your sewing time instead of just kind of getting there. I know my biggest thing when I go to retreats is I bring too much stuff and then I end up accomplishing nothing because I spend my time visiting and eating at the snack table. And um, so I think maybe focusing maybe on what you're taking to quilting retreats if there's not already an assigned project is uh, a good thing to do to make sure that you have specific projects and that you have all the parts and pieces to it, obviously. So if you're working on an applique project and it needs fusible web, you need to make sure that you have that packed um, and you don't forget to do that. Yes. I actually force myself to take two. I pick one that 
I absolutely need to work on. And then I take one for when I get so sick of that first one that I need a break. So the, that's my rule of two. It's the fun project and then the one I actually intended to work on when I went on the retreat. And if you're looking for a downloadable sheet, uh, we have created one that is on our website. And it's allpeoplequilt.com. Uh, slash 552 is the number. So it's allpeoplequilt.com uh, slash 552. And that's kind of a nice checklist. It's um, nicely laid out, and it's just a pretty checklist. And it's easy to print off and then just check off as you have the things that you've packed. I know for me, I had an old toolbox that I used, and it's just my retreat thing. So I have an extra rotary cutter, extra scissors, extra pins, extra rulers. You know, over the years, I've just accumulated doubles of a lot of things. And so it's nice to just put that in the toolbox. And when I get ready to go to retreat, I don't have to gather all of those things up from my sewing station. I just have my retreat toolbox and take it with me. The thing is you need to replace things, you know, if you leave something somewhere or you borrow it to use for something else. That's the only thing you need to do is remember to go back and, and replace those items. But um, it's fun to have that separate toolbox that's just, especially if you're somebody who does go to lots of retreats or sewing get-togethers with your friends. Right. And I don't go to, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't go to that many retreats. So for me, that checklist was so helpful because they're things I don't think about needing. I just, they're in my sewing room. So traveling on the go, you forget a lot of the times that you're not going to have that easy access that you're so used to. And I was actually very impressed with how thorough the checklist was because um, this was something that was created um, before the summer issue. And I happened to stumble upon it and think, wow, we have great re- resources on all people. I will say that when we were creating that list, a lot of it was um, things that we all had personally forgotten at one yes. point, like um, your foot pedal, which seems like, <laughs> you know, something you wouldn't forget at all or your plug in cord for your machine. But those things easily kind of get important. forgotten at home. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I, I have forgotten that cord before. It is important. I actually uh, the last retreat I was at, I got a call from we were at another location and I got a call from one of the participants that said, have you left? town yet and I said no and she said well um, I forgot my cord for my machine she was a couple hours ahead of me and was already at the retreat place and had set everything up and didn't have her or her foot pedal is what she didn't have Mm -hmm. so she called her husband and said Jody's going to come over and go down to my sewing room which you know, I, I wouldn't allow anybody in my sewing room, so especially unannounced. And so um, she did have a beautifully clean sewing room, which is unlike my own. I'm jealous. Um, I know. I, but we went down, and uh, her husband and I both looked for quite a while. And we looked all around the house, and we looked in the garage thinking that maybe it had been put on top of a car and when she anyway we never did find the foot pedal so she ended up being able to borrow one from somebody else um and she did have the function on her machine that she could push the button to start Mm -hmm. and stop Mm -hmm. which is a nice function that some machines do have so uh she was someplace and that was you know the first day of a three-day retreat and so if she hadn't had those kind of backup things she wouldn't have been able to really get anything done so it is important to always make sure you've got all those parts and pieces of things um you can borrow rotary cutters you can borrow Mm -hmm. rulers but things like your plug-ins and your foot pedals and things like that or feet specific feet um for your sewing machine can uh really cause a problem it also depends where you're going to a lot of retreat centers will have some of the basics unless you have favorites that you really want to travel with but if you're say taking your handwork to you know your kids game 
you're on your own. Right. So you need right. to bring what you need. And speaking of that, for like an English paper piecing travel kit, which is primarily what I'm doing, I'm doing some hand piecing, but most of it is English paper piecing. And you talked about those bento boxes earlier. I think mm-hmm. those are really nice because they do have the divided compartments, mm-hmm. and some of them have stacking containers. So right. you can uh, prep a lot of your stuff ahead of time, and then you don't have to take all the different sections, but you can you know, prepare your hexagons, whether you're basting or glue basting or however you're doing it, and have those all ready to go so that when you're actually sitting there, you can actually get to the sewing part. Plus, if you're someone who likes scrappy hexagons, which I feel like a lot of people who do hexagon projects are using up their scraps because they take up such a small amount, you can use those compartments to divide your hexagons by color, which is useful when you're starting to actually make them into a design versus just, you know, basting the hexagons. Right. And you've got a really great project in Quilt Summer Summer um, that is a, uh, it's not really a, well, journal cover, is that what we would call it? We were calling it an organizer. There you go, organizer. It actually started out, um, designer Heidi Staples likes, she has two daughters, and she would go out and need something for them to do when they were at, like, a doctor's office. So she would put colored pencils in it and a little notebook, and it would give them something to color. So she called it a coloring kit, and we adapted that into an organizer. One interesting thing I've been seeing with that project was how people online have been adapting it. So I've seen versions of the same organizer where instead of the hexagons, they were done with um, a foundation pieced block because the person who made it just happened to love paper piecing and they made a block that would fit that panel. Um, someone else did embroidery. It's been really interesting seeing how people adapt the patterns to their own needs. And the color option that uh, Quilt Tester John Regaler did had a beautiful print that had a little bigger motif in it. And so yes. that's another great way to fussy cut or kind of center that particular uh, print that you're not sure what to do with it. It might be a floral or it might be a fleur-de-lis or some kind of damask or something. But I thought that was a nice way, too, for a really quick yeah. or quicker uh, way to make that project is to just have a solid piece of fabric versus right. the piecing. We have another project in the issue called Treasured Friendship that uses a panel in interlocking friendship stars. And it's that same kind of idea. You could use a panel and cut it up and use it for the front of the hexagon organizer. There's really just a lot of ways that you can adapt projects to meet your needs, especially during the summer when you're short on time. You don't necessarily want to be doing complex hand piecing unless that's what you're into and you're taking it with you well and i guess kind of on the opposite side i will Mm -hmm. say we do kind of have a complex project (laughs) in american patchwork and quilting the august issue from cindy blackberg and it uses some hand piecing techniques that cindy is well known for she actually uses stamps Mm. um she has stamps made for each of the shapes that are in that particular project so there's triangles and circles and some wedge shapes and um, you use an ink pad and you mark the back of the fabric and then you cut it out with your scissors um, just because that gives you a little more flexibility than a rotary cutter. But uh, you cut out the pieces and then all of the markings that you need are on the stamped portion. And so I've been doing the handmade medallions and it's been really nice because all of those, instead of having to cut and and uh, prepare the templates, which we have mm-hmm. the patterns in the magazine. So for folks that like to do it that way, mm-hmm. that is the option. But if you're interested in Cindy's stamps, uh, I have found that that's made that project very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I have had fun taking that um, on the road with me, uh, mm-hmm. 
just recently, yesterday, I was on a road trip uh, with a couple family members, and I had it with me. And it was great to be able to do that as I was visiting with them as we were on a two-hour road trip. And then we had to come back two hours after a short one-hour meeting. And so um, it was nice to have that project with me to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, those those there is also a video because it's a little tricky the way we put the center circle in that project. Most people might think that it's applique on top, but it's actually set in similar to kind of when you put a sleeve in. And mm-hmm. so we thought it might be a good idea to do a video so people could see how you do that versus mm-hmm. um, maybe the... Uh, the diagrams maybe didn't explain it as well as we wanted to. So Lindsay and I did a video uh, of how to do that and got some close-up shots, which I think will be really helpful to readers. Yeah, that's awesome. That's actually one thing I really love about both Quilts and More and American Patchwork and Quilting is that between the two, we offer those really complex on-the-go projects. And then we also offer some of those faster on-the-go projects or things that you can squeeze in if you've only got a little bit of time in the summer. So it's just such a nice variety between the two issues. And also the av- ability on allpeoplequilt.com to have those videos and those uh, short either just photos um, or actually the live-action videos where you can see us doing it and flipping the pieces back and forth right. and seeing both sides of it at the same time. So I think that's really helpful as well. Uh, Joanna, did you want to talk about the embroidery project in Quilts and More? I know I've been seeing that one everywhere on Instagram. Absolutely. So we have a project in uh, Summer Quilts and More that we called Secret Garden. It's a pin cushion by Christine Chipperick from Pretty by Hand. And it has these beautiful hollyhocks that are embroidered around the edges of it. So the actual pin cushion is fairly simple to make, but the beautiful embroidery around the edge of it is just so striking and it's something that you don't necessarily notice at first it's like a fun little surprise on your pin cushion and it's just it's a really easy project to bring with you it's got some fun embroidery stitches on it um, it looks a little bit complex but I actually think it's a great beginner project because it teaches you so many stitches and it's just gotten such a wonderful response online I keep seeing people posting about it and saying how they want to make it or even just use the motif if they don't necessarily want a pin cushion and it's a square pin cushion so I think that makes it kind of fun too a lot of the ones we see are circular so Mm -hmm. it's square and if you didn't want to do the embroidery again this is another case where you could just have a solid fabric or you could um, fussy cut a stripe and use that that would be really effective I think around the edge if you didn't want to do the embroidery so it's a great project no matter what you want to use it for well one thing a lot of listeners might not know is that even though we have quilt testers who test every pattern to make sure that the instructions are clear, the editors often make samples too before it even gets to those quilt testers just because it's easier for us as we're developing the project and writing instructions to go through that process and see what it looks like. So I made one and I fussy cut a strip just like you mentioned. I used um, a jelly roll remnant that I had and it was just the perfect size and I have that pincushion. I still have to stuff it. It's on my UFO list <laughs> like so many things but we do often make them and that is exactly what I did when I was making my sample before I sent it to the quilt tester. So fun. Thanks guys. Um, we will be back after this commercial break. We're going to talk through some quilt trends we saw at International Quilt Market in Portland.
This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Cut leftover binding into one and a half inch long pieces and use them as leaders and enders. Hi, I'm Jody Sanders, group editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcases. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQ Quilt Along to join the fun. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. I'm really excited. I'm back with Joanna and Jody, the editors you heard in the previous half of the podcast, and I'm being joined by Lisa Schumacher, who is the editor of Quilt Sampler, and they are going to chat a little bit about some of the trends we saw at Quilt Market. Well, maybe I can back up just a little bit and uh, explain what International Quilt Market is. It's held twice a year. The fall version is always in Houston, Texas, and after market uh, festival, which is a huge quilt show, is held, and then the spring version travels around to different sites every year. So uh, this year it was in Portland. It's been in Salt Lake City, Minneapolis, St. Louis, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Kind of goes for different places, and it's an opportunity for quilt shop owners to see the latest and greatest in sewing machines and fabrics and gadgets and tools. They have a full day of educational opportunities of different sessions that they can go to. So for us as Quilt Magazine editors, it's an opportunity for us to meet with all of those people as well, uh, the sewing machine companies and the fabric companies and the tools and gadgets. And we always come back, and because we see different parts of the show sometimes than our colleagues, we always come back and talk about what trends we saw, both in color, motif, um, technique, so just a whole wide variety of things. So today we thought it would be fun for you to just kind of hear some of the trends that we feel like will be coming to your quilt shops um, in the pretty near future. Yep. And it's always a visual feast of um, creativity. I know when I go, I always want to get back to my room or come back home and sew. So um, we'll try to describe it as best as we can. But um, one of the things that I noticed that designers are really pitching to shop owners are block of the month and or sampler quilts. And um, we think that's a great way to keep uh, sewers and quilters um, interested in coming back, and they offer them in a variety of motifs. Did you guys see that? 
Absolutely. And I think the popularity of those is because people still want to make things that are kind of their own. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to make a quilt just like everybody else. So they may give them the basic block measurements, but then it's like go off and and do it your way, what your colorway is, what you prefer to add or not add to a particular block. So you see a lot of fabric companies doing them as well as the designers are doing them as well. So it also helps because it's... um digestible in a way like you can do one block at a time you don't have that giant commitment right off the bat where it just gets thrown in your ufo pile so i think people really appreciate that aspect of it as well yeah and a way to learn new techniques that maybe you wouldn't try on your own but um when doing it as a group or as a block of the month yeah it's more manageable and Mm -hmm. you're able to try things that maybe you usually wouldn't right One thing we also saw was a lot of animal prints. Mm -hmm. Um, I think particularly one of the things I noticed was the cats versus dogs kind of thing. We still see a lot more cat fabric, whether it's whimsical or realistic or kind of cartoony. Um, we just see more cat fabric. And we kind of started asking the fabric companies about that because we were definitely noticing and we were like, are the cat people just buying way more fabric? (laughs) And what we found out was that for cat people, um, they'll buy cat fabric if it has cats on it. And for dog people, most of them are looking for a specific breed of dog. And so they don't necessarily just buy dog fabric because it has a dog on it. It, You know, they prefer that it has a breed that's at least close to theirs. So if you have an all-over print, that has lots of different breeds of dogs, dog people are more likely to buy that. But cat people will buy any kind of... I mean, did you guys find that as well? Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. And I think Joanna and I were both dog owners, so yeah. we're always on the lookout for our spe- specific uh, you know, fabric that looks like our dogs. But but I, I could see how cat people would be more inclusive and um, you know, just love cats in general. Uh, they're talking about me. I am the resident <laughs> cat person in our group. So, uh, yep, I own all the cat fabric. Excellent. Yes. I, um, I'm always, and I admit, I have a cocker spaniel. I had cocker spaniels growing up. And one of the designers who was in, uh, one of the Quiltsmore designers saw a picture of my cocker spaniel. She goes, I have cockers too, and I'm always looking for them. So, um, it definitely is true. We, we love our breeds. So. Another animal that we saw a lot of was the llama. Mm -hmm. And the llama is not just on fabric, but the llama is applique patterns. The llama is little stuffies. Um, Sizzix has a die that has llama parts and pieces you can put together. It's an embroidery. We saw almost every embroidery uh, display that we saw had a llama in it. So the llamas were everywhere. Yes. And yes, I think they we saw them a few mar- markets mm-hmm. ago, and I think they're just continuing to build. So you'll probably see them yeah. in every iteration and every technique. So they're going with the llamas' <laughs> succulents too, because a lot of times they were paired together. Yeah. So um, succulents again with I think either embroidery, applique on fabrics. These those were motifs that mm-hmm. we probably I don't know. For me, I think the llama and the succulents were probably the thing that that had the widest that I saw the most in in, uh, different things. Um, Kind of uh, animal, but maybe on the more (laughs) 
um, I don't know, mystical is the unicorns. Oh, yeah. Uh, we yeah. saw lots of unicorns. And paired with the unicorn was usually a rainbow print mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, and I saw lots of pinks and purples with that. So I kind of looked at it as maybe a pre-tween, tween maybe, um, the color palette. And just they were very cartoony and very – we didn't see as many – I guess what I kind of characterize as the mystical unicorns. It was more kind of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of whimsical. Whimsical. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. less realistic, but that's kind right. of funny well, when you're talking about <laughs> a unicorn. unicorn right. like, a, like not the Pegasus. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So really geared toward, I think, a younger uh, clientele maybe. But we saw a lot of it. So I think that yeah. there's definitely an interest there. Pieced quilts we saw it in as well as pieced quilt designs. So And uh, patterns yeah. on fabric. And then we also saw some um, glow-in-the-dark fabric, mm-hmm. which kind of went along with that. I think the unicorn yeah. outer space kind of space right. theme, which I thought was fun. Yeah. <laughs> we also saw a lot of, like, farm animals. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. saw cows and we saw, you know, a lot of the animals that you typically would see on farms. There's still the woodland creatures, but I didn't see that as much this time, I didn't think, as I've seen the last five to ten years. I yeah. feel like we're moving from the forest kind of into the ocean because I started seeing more things like sea otters and whales mm-hmm. and um, still critters, so to speak, but not forest the nautical critters yep and maybe we could talk a little bit about um colors what did you guys see for color trends this time well i know we talked about um when we had our kind of group wrap up we talked about uh the rainbow and you know we've been seeing quilts and fabrics with pure rainbow colors kind of what you traditionally think and, Jody, you kind of noticed that there was a kind of a skew on those yeah. colors. I think, you know, when I think of color wheel, I kind of think of, like, the Roy G. Biv, right. you know, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet that we all learned in elementary school. But what I was seeing is that rather than the red, they were really going toward a saturated fuchsia mm-hmm. in that spot. And um, the green was more a lime green. Uh, the blue was more an aqua or teal and against really intense colors. Mm-hmm. So if you think of designers like Allison Glass and Tula Pink, I think, you know, we saw a lot of quilts from them that were still rainbow-esque in terms of, you know, six or seven colors maybe, but just the actual colors themselves were versions of that traditional color wheel yep. that we think of. Kind of the jewel tones instead of being the pure, true colors. Right. Yeah. Speaking of jewel tones, I noticed that came up quite a bit. So in fall, we were seeing dark teal, kind of a jade color, come up over and over again. Still seeing some of that, but now we're also transitioning into these very rich, kind of red tone purples. So goes well with the teal. Right, right. And I saw, you know, the purple in a mulberry, and and we were seeing it as the background. So, again, it used to be a white background or a black background when you'd see florals. Um, Then we would see maybe a navy background Mm -hmm. replacing Mm -hmm. the black. Well, now I was seeing a lot of purple or mulberry as kind of being that ground for the rest of the florals, or just a lot of floral prints that had purple or were primarily purple Mm -hmm. in color. So a lot of purple out there, I think. Yep, and I think any shade from light, pale, almost pastel lavender to, you know, the dark, deep, rich purple. Mm-hmm. We also saw a lot of houses. Oh, yeah. um, and sometimes it was the center motif 
and then, you know, the rest of the quilt was built around it, or it was multiples of a single house. And most of them pieced, I think. I didn't, there were some applique, but I think for the most part, most of the, the house blocks, I guess, that I was seeing, most of them was pieced. How about you guys? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. You know, and some of them were, like Jody said, a medallion and then had different kind of home aspects surrounding them in mm -hmm. a block of the month style. And then there were others that were pieced and, you know, individual house blocks with different variations to kind of to kind of give some variety. Right. Most of what I saw were pieced. It was interesting, though, in that they were different takes on houses. So some of them were a little more traditional. Some were a little more folk art. Some were maybe a little more modern. Um, it was just interesting that there were so many different takes on what a house block would be. That can appeal to any style yes. quilter, really, or any, exactly. you know, whatever kind of architecture you like, too. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw with the English paper piecing, we still saw a lot of that, but it was moving beyond the hexagon. So it's Dresden plates and star blocks and very complicated medallion-style pieces that people are kind of moving beyond. They've got the technique now, and now they want to they wanna up their game a little bit and using multiple different shapes within the same project. Yep. How about digital printing? You saw some cool digital printing yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I went think. to the some of the schoolhouse sessions um, where designers and manufacturers kind of pitch what is new, and I saw a lot of great digital prints. Um, most of them feature wildlife or animal. Um, there were some um, housing and cityscapes. cityscapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, the digital printing is a way to get really in-depth detail as opposed to some of the traditional methods, and also on a larger scale. So big panels instead of the regular, you know, 24 by 36. And the big panels that you were seeing that had those big plural, big floral motifs allowed for some really nice machine quilting, right? Yeah. The machine quilters were using them to mm -hmm. showcase. Yeah. Yep, they kind of looked like a whole cloth quilt. So, I mean, there was a way to get that um, different techniques involved. They would make great backings, too, if yes. you want your backing yeah. to be... Um, you know, very beautiful. Well, thank you guys for sharing the trends you saw at Quilt Market. Um, I will point out that if you follow us on Instagram, you probably have already seen a lot of these trends from our posting at Quilt Market. But if you don't already, we would love for you to join us on Instagram at allpeoplequilt. And if you scroll back a few weeks, you can see all of the photos we took at Quilt Market and shared, and you can see some of these trends there. So we will be back after this commercial break. We're going to be chatting about some of our favorite local quilt shops. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Secure the tool used to change your sewing machine foot to the side of your sewing machine with a hook and loop dot. It's always at hand when you need to make a foot change. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com. Add a digital pattern to your cart and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. 
Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. Um, We're going to be chatting about some local quilt shops next that we just love. We know summer is a great time for you to travel and road trip and visit some of these shops, so I hope you enjoy hearing about some. Hi, I'm Lisa Schumacher, and I'm the editor of Quilt Sampler, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Elizabeth Stumbo, and I'm the art director for Quilt Sampler magazine. And we work on the magazine um, from the editorial and art side, and we work to select the shops, go through the nominations, kind of from start to finish, work on photography, going to the different shops, and then just every process of it. So we're excited about the issue that is on newsstands and at your local quilt shops now. It just went on sale May 15th, so if you hurry, you should still be able to get a copy. Um and so we're just going to do a little step through and walk you through the issue. Um, but really, it's better to see it in, per- in person because it's visual and it's beautiful. So, mm-hmm. And we just know that this is one of our favorite magazines to work on. We love the travel aspect of this. And we hope that as you're listening, maybe you'll hear some of um, places near you that you can actually take a road trip to and see. And if you can't get to them, um, just look through the pages of the magazine. And it's almost like you're there in person with all the beautiful photography and, of course, their um, projects, too. Yeah, and so we have um, a little bit of everything in, in style and style of quilt shop and then also their exclusive project. And um, so we think there's at least one shop and project um, from the issue you like. I'm guessing there, there's more. It's really a great issue. So let's kick it off. And um, Stumbo, will you tell us which is the first featured shop in the issue? Sure. Our first shop is Quilter's Garden. And it is located in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and it has been open since uh, 2012. All right. And the owner of this is Vicki Ryder. She opened up the shop. It's a contemporary-looking shop, and it's in an 1846 Gothic uh, formal revival church. So it has a cool atmosphere inside, a lot of large windows and the exposed beams and contemporary fabric. It's a it's a fun place. Lots of great places to, dis- to display quilts. Yep. <clears throat> and then her featured quilt um, is called Superstar, and it features low-volume fabric, so those with not a lot of contrast in it. And then um, they contrast with bright bright contemporary fabrics from uh, Riley Blake. So, and, and the shape is large stars. So it's a really fun quilt. It's fat quarter friendly and pretty easy to make because it has big pieces. All right. Moving on to Issaquah, Washington, to Gisipium Quilt Shop. Yep. And this shop is owned by Lynette and Norton Smallwood. And um, Issaquah is a Seattle suburb. So um, it really features some bright fabrics to kind of lighten what you would normally think of as kind of gray Seattle skies while they brighten up from the inside out. They have a lot of K-facet 
fabrics and um, just bright fabrics in general, a fun, happy place to be. And then their project is called Bold Impact. And no surprise, it uses some K-Facet Collective florals and stripes. And then um, Lynette combined it with some purples and fantastic machine quilting. It's in really some beautiful. Of the yeah. Be sure and to check out that picture. Yep. And you know that purples are trendy right now from our last segment we did. Right. So this is right on trend. And um, it features triangle squares and nine patches. Um or I think actually strip sets, so really easier than nine patches. So um, kind of an easy quilt to, to make and a way to use some of those big floral fabrics. Perfect. The next shop is in North Carolina in Granite Falls, and this is called The Cotton Quilt. All right, and it's owned by Jerry and Martha Annis, and they're a husband and wife team. The, um, the shop is located in a family home. So it was uh, their grandmother's family home and it's been expanded and expanded a few times to um, have little different rooms that serve as vignettes and then kind of as a a little tour throughout Mm -hmm. the home. I also love how they um, display a lot of their quilts outside on the front porch and at different buildings throughout the property. It's really some fun ways to display quilts outside. Yep. And like I said, it was Martha's grandparents' um, home, so it has a special connection to both home and community, um, and they really like value community and Mm -hmm. their friendly neighbors. And their quilt project is Border Blossoms, and this is just a beautiful table topper. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Lisa? Yep. So this is um, an easy quilt to make. It uses the Bristle Creek Farmhouse and Paula Barnes Basics uh, from Marcus Fabrics, so it kind of has a reproduction-style look. And um, it's just pieced squares in the center, and then uh, Martha kind of added some... Um, some fabric to the sides to make blossoms, border blossoms. So that's how we got the name. It features flowers, um, a rose, sunflower, some really pretty things in the corners. Very pretty. It's a great little table topper, kind of easy to whip up because it's a uh, fusible applique. Nice. All right, moving on to Erie, Colorado. We um, are featuring a, sh- the, a quilter's corner shop. All right, and this is another bright, happy, sunshiny um uh, fabric store. It's owned by Marcy Schnabel and kind of has another contemporary bright look. Um, she really um, views quilters and found quilters to be her community, her family. And so she wanted to open a shop to kind of have a place for quilters to gather. I love that community aspect. I think that's kind of a reoccurring theme in a lot of these shops about how important um, their community is and all of their customers feel like family. Yep. And it's a great way to support other makers. I mean, um, just to kind of have a good support system and a place, a quilt shop and its owners can be a place to go bounce ideas, kind of get opinions about fabric choices. So that's a really great aspect. And their project, House Party, kind of reflects on those same trends of building a community in neighborhoods um, through the house motif that is featured throughout the block. Yep. And this is another trend that we just talked about in a, in the previous segment. But um, this features fairly easy to make house blocks. Uh, some of them have bright pink doors on them. Some of them don't. But one kind of special thing to this quilt is it features some couching. Uh, there's a big tree along the side and then also some words, live, love, laugh, that kind of reinforce the family, community, 
aspect of the quilt. All right, our next shop is Quilt Works in Bend, Oregon. All right, and this shop was opened in 2010. Uh, Quilt Works is located in Bend, Oregon, and owned by Marilyn Forrestal. And as mo- many people know, Bend is really an outdoorsy kind of place. But Marilyn and her crew at Quilt Works really give people a reason to come inside and stay a while and look at all their great fabrics that they have. And speaking of their great fabrics, they feature a lot of these in their project called Colorful Cabins. And these are kind of cool uh, fabrics we don't see very much. And so they're very unique. They're from Australia. And they're um, called Aboriginal Fabrics. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Um, The collection is called the Aboriginal Collection. It's from M&S Textiles. And they're really beautiful graphic prints um, that Marilyn combined in a modified log cabin look, and they're set on the diagonal. So it's really kind of a neat twist on some traditional styles, but really kind of gives it a funky, cool vibe. All right, moving on to River's Edge Antiques and Quilt Loft in Hayward, Wisconsin. All right, and this shop is owned by Gail and Mike Grassel. They combined their interests, Gail um, really love quilting and fabric, and her husband Mike really enjoyed collecting and then also selling antiques. So they have combined their interests into one shop, and it's really a great destination shop for people that come to Hayward, which is a small little town that many people go and visit during the summer and go hang out at the lake. So it's a fun place to be. Yep. And their project is called Calming Effect, and it is just that. It's a beautiful color palette of blues and soft tans and beiges. Um, it's just beautiful. Yep. And um, Gail designed this quilt. She used Edita Sitar's uh, fabrics. She's from Laundry Basket Quilts of Andover Fabrics. And kind of features Edita's beautiful blue and cream palettes in a modified bare paw block. So, um, and then big big floral prints on the border. So really a great combination of colors and piecing. All right, moving on to Fredericksburg, Texas. We are featuring One Quilt Place. And this shop, um, well, I guess we'll get to the the shop first. Um, It's a big, bright, open shop where husband and wife team Steve and Beverly Allen um, created a quilting campus, so a bunch of different buildings that um, kind of support quilters. And their project is actually featured on our cover, and it is Garden Pathways. And this quilt is beautiful. Yes, it's on the cover. Uh, it uses pre-cut strips, the two-and-a-half-inch strips, to make a bed-size quilt that kind of looks like a garden trellis or lattice look. Yep. All right, moving on to Dell Rapids in South Dakota. We're featuring a shop called Always Your Design. All right, and this is owned by uh, two sisters, Deb Mergen and Diane Bunkers. And they have, um, their shop is big. It's 6,600 square feet. And they worked together in jewelry making and then decided to come together and work at and own a quilt shop. And their project is called Arrow Star. And this features some really beautiful uh, neutral fabrics, kind of a, a neutral um, palette um, with golds and navies in a really beautiful piece block. Okay, and our next shop is in Alexandria, Virginia, and it's called Artistic Artifacts. And owner Judy Gula um, really loves all thing fiber and fabric and media. So when you look at... Um, the pages of this 
profile, you'll just see so many bright, beautiful things. She really loves fabric and textures of all styles. All right. And that is kind of reflected in her project, Panel Perfect. Yes. So um, Judy and Artistic Artifacts, they own but Batik Tombal. It's a uh, a batik printing company, and it and her project features one of the batik prints. Okay, and our last shop is actually here in our local state. Uh, it's in Winterset, Iowa, and it's PeaceWorks Quilt Shop. Yep, and the shop is owned by Joyce Franklin, and Tony Jacobson is the ma- the manager. And they work together. They have a great selection of any kind of prints that you want. Low volume, novelties, batiks, a little bit of everything there. And their project is A New Direction. And this project features a little bit of everything from Iowa. So they use frond batiks. I'm sorry. They use frond prints. Um, and those are from Iowa. And then their machine quilter is also from Iowa. So it features triangle squares and flying geese in kind of a bright, bold colorway. Really fun. So fun. Thanks for sharing about the issue. Um, Elisa, why don't you tell our listeners quickly um, how they can nominate their shop or encourage their local quilt shop to nominate themselves to be featured in Quilt Sampler? Yes. So um, go to All People Quilt dot com slash nomination and that's where you can fill out the form or encourage your local quilt shop owner to fill out the form um, it's really easy we've gone online in the past few years so there are a few questions to answer and then also a place to upload some photos to kind of give us both the verbal and visual representation of the shop we really want to see what makes your shop special and what it's all about Perfect. So please encourage your local quilt shop to nominate themselves. We always love seeing um, what your favorite shops are. And don't forget to pick up the issue of Quilt Sampler at your local quilt shop right now. Thanks for joining us for the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast. Pat Sloan will be back next week to talk more quilting with you guys. Have a great week. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thank you.